Who here's ever been to like a live music gig? Who's ever been to a live concert before? Okay, cool. Oh, that's good. All right. Okay, so you'll probably know this then. At, this, at a concert, what happens is you've got the supporting act and then you've got the headline event. All right. So who was the last person you guys went to see a concert of? Who was that? Okay, so you're going to see Hilary Duff, right? I don't know if this happens at Hilary Duff, but you're going to see Hilary Duff and she's like the big deal. She's a, she's a headline event. But what happens before Hilary Duff comes on is someone else comes up and does some music as well. So you get like a supporting act and they come up and do some music and everyone's like, that's pretty good, I guess. And then they see Hilary Duff. Well, if you're at a Hilary Duff concert, I guess you go, yeah, that was awesome. And you're stoked because you saw Hilary Duff. I wish I had a better example of a band, but that's all right. Now, I reckon that Lecrae, okay, and you're like, hey, Lecrae, how good was that? That other guy was all right, I guess. And Lecrae was awesome. The reason that I reckon that they have supporting acts is to make the headlining act look even better, all right? Like, I've been to concerts, right, where, like, the supporting act was not very good. I've been to a concert where, like, like the band, the supporting act's up on stage playing and screaming lyrics into a microphone that no one understands or has ever heard before, and there's, like, the audience is just kind of getting bored. Like, they're just sitting there watching them going, he's not very good. And they start getting tired standing there and they start sitting down on the ground. And then the supporting act, like lead singer, is getting angry and he's like, stop sitting down. Come on, get in the music. And the crowd's like, boo, bring out Hilary Duff or whoever it was, right? And, and, and so, like, the, the supporting act was not very good. But then the main event comes out and it's like, this is good. Supporting acts make the main headlining event look pretty awesome. Imagine, though, imagine you're at a concert and the supporting act comes out, and you've been to a few concerts by now, and the supporting act comes out, and the music is just ridiculously good. Like, it's the best music you have ever heard in your life. Like, this supporting act's music is just awesome, right? What would you be thinking that at that point about what's about to come next? Like, this is just the supporting act, and this music is, is off the charts good. You're going to be like, man, this, this next band who's going to come out, this music is going to be so good that I'm going to like pee my pants. It's going to be that good. Like you'll be freaking out at how good the music is going to be if the supporting act is awesome. Luke chapters 1 and 2, we're not looking at all of Luke chapters 1 and 2, but we're looking at some of it tonight. Luke chapters 1 and 2 is all about a supporting act and a headline event. It's all about a supporting act and then a headline act. The supporting act is a guy called John the Baptist. He's this guy who comes before Jesus and he does some pretty impressive stuff and he seems like a pretty big deal. But all John the Baptist does is, is make Jesus look even better. You see John the Baptist and you're like, that's pretty amazing. And then you compare him to Jesus and you're just like, whoa, this is good. John the Baptist was impressive. Jesus is just amazing. That's what happens in Luke chapters 1 and 2. We're going to be looking at a few parts of Luke chapters 1 and 2 over the next couple of weeks. And what you're going to see is that the structure is like John the Baptist does something, he get, his birth gets foretold, Jesus' birth gets foretold. John the Baptist, no, no, he's going, he gets born, Jesus gets born, and it compares them all the time. Look at chapter 1 verse 7. It says that John the Baptist is going to be born from a lady who's like super old and she's barren. All right? That's what it says about, um, about John the Baptist's mum, that she's like this barren old woman, but she's going to have a baby anyway, John the Baptist. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Verse 34 of chapter 1, guess who Jesus' mum is? She's a virgin, which is even more ridiculously amazing than a barren lady who can't have children having a baby 
Imagine a virgin having a baby. That's ridiculous. Or we also hear that John the Baptist, in in verse 17 of chapter 1, John the Baptist is the one who's come to prepare God's people for salvation. We hear, though, that Jesus' name literally means God's salvation. He is the salvation. We hear that John the Baptist comes to prepare the way for the Lord. Jesus, in verse 30, uh, where is he? In verse 34, is the Lord. Jesus is awesome. If John the Baptist is impressive, Jesus is all the more better. And we look at John, we see how good he is, then we look at Jesus, and it makes it all the more clear that Jesus is just amazing. John is like a supporting act at a gig, and he's a pretty good supporting act. He's pretty impressive. But all he does is show us how incredibly awesome Jesus is. And so here's the point of these few chapters of the Bible, right? Here's what it's all about. Jesus is awesome. He's the best. He's the greatest. He is the most important thing that has ever happened to our world. Jesus is a massive, big deal. That's what these chapters are about. Tonight, as we zoom into the verses that were read for us by Tamara, as we kind of look at them a little bit closer, we're going to see why Jesus is such a big deal, why Jesus actually is so great. Now, if you guys are a bit new, maybe you're not used to youth group or anything like that, you've probably caught that we think Jesus is a pretty big deal. Like we're singing all these songs about him, we're praying to him, we talk about him all the time. So you've probably figured out that Jesus is a big deal. But have you ever kind of gone, well, why? <laughs> this church thing makes a lot a big deal about Jesus, but why? What's, such, what's so good about this Jesus guy? That's what we're looking at tonight. That's what we're going to see in these verses. Here's the first thing, the first thing that passage shows us about why Jesus is awesome. Here it is. Jesus is God's son. In fact, he's God himself. He's both of those things. He's God's son. He's God. Uh, in the verses kind of that Tamara first led, read, remember there's this woman called Mary, and she's engaged to a guy. She's a virgin, though, but she's engaged. And then this angel appears to Mary, and he's like, what up, I'm an angel, and says some stuff to Mary. Look at verse 31. Look at what this angel says to Mary. Verse 31. 31. Uh, you'll be with child and you'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus and he'll be great and will be called the son of the Most High. He'll be called the son of the Most High. That's the name for God. He'll be called the son of God. Now, you might hear that and go, okay, cool. So his title, his name is like the son of God. But aren't we, do we all have that title? Like are we all kind of sons of God, you know? God creates us, we're children of God. So maybe it's just saying Jesus is like a child of God type thing. It's just a a fancy name for him. That's not what's going on. Look at verse 34. Here's why he's going to be called the Son of God. Verse 34. And Mary says, how's this going to be? I'm a virgin. Mary asked the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, as God, will overshadow you so this funny stuff's going to happen the holy spirit's going to do some stuff so the holy one to be born will be called the son of god she's a virgin but god is going to come and through his spirit create this baby in her 
This isn't like a normal mother and father, baby-making situation, right? God's going to come, and she's a virgin, and she'll stay a virgin, and, and God, and until she gets married, and God will create in her this baby Jesus. And so because of that, literally, that's why he's called God's son. God is the father of Jesus, and Mary is the mother of Jesus. God, God, and Mary, human. Together, Jesus. Now, why is that such a big deal? I'll, take, I'll give you an illustration for why that matters, all right? What do you get if you have a lion and a tiger and together they create an animal? What, is, what happens? You get a liger. That's right. This is a picture of a liger. That's, that's, that's not a fake picture. That's a real picture of an animal called a liger. That's what happens when a lion and a tiger together make something. You end up with something that's like a lion and it's a tiger. It's a liger. That's not fake. Look it up on the internet. Uh, what happens when you get a cat and a dog and together they make something? What do you get? Cat dog. You get a cat dog, right? Okay. You get a cat. That's, a, that's a cat dog. Okay. You get that. That is a cartoon. You'll get there and eventually you'll start to tell the difference between those things. It'll happen soon, buddy. All right. So that's... Get rid of that picture. It's distracting. Okay. So what do you get when God and a human together create a child? You get a God-man. That's why that's important, because what that means is Jesus really is God, and he really is man. And not like 50% God, 50% man. No, he really is 100% God, and he really is 100% a man. And that math might be confusing for you, but that's the reality of what the Bible says. And so that's a big deal. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is, therefore, God. That's true. That's a big deal. Here's the second reason why Jesus is a huge, big, important thing. And it's this. Jesus is Lord. He's the king of the whole world. Check out verse 32 and 33 in your Bible. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. We've already looked at that. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, for you guys to understand those verses, you need to understand a little bit of history. I'm going to go quick. But basically what's happened is in the Bible, God's people have been waiting for this king who's going to come because God has promised his people that there's this awesome king coming. There was this king called David and he was heaps good. And God says there's going to be a king from his line who's like him, who's going to be even better. There's this awesome king who's like David. He's going to come and he's going to rule for 100 years, 50 years. No, he's going to rule for forever. He's going to be an eternal, awesome king who lives forever, who rules forever, and he's going to save God's people. All right? So the Bible's been making these big promises about this king who's coming. And so, you know, in movies, like you get like, there's, you know, something terrible's happening, the world's going to end or something, and then there's like this character who's like destined to be the one who will save everyone. You know, that kind of character, like Neo out of the Matrix, or what's another example you guys would know? Harry Potter, exactly. All right, you got Harry Potter, right? He's like the one, the chosen one, and he's special as a little boy, right? That's kind of what's going on here. This angel has turned up, and the angel's gone, Mary, this baby that you're going to have is the one, the one, the great eternal king who's going to save his people. And you see exactly the same thing in the next little section, right? So the angel turns up, says, this king's coming, you're going to have the one. And then 
she, an angel says, your, your cousin is going to get pregnant as well. She's like old and barren, but she's going to have a baby as well. That's John the Baptist's mum. And so she goes to see John the Baptist's mum, her cousin, and look what her cousin says to her when she turns up at the door. She opens the door and like her cousin's like, hey, how you doing, Mary? And then the baby in her stomach leaps for joy. John the Baptist, as a little baby, is excited because the one has come to visit him as a baby. These two babies in stomachs getting excited about each other, right? And then look at what Elizabeth says. Look at what Elizabeth says to Mary, verse 43, no, verse 42. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, this is Elizabeth, to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am, but why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, you may not have thought about that, but that's a, that's a pretty weird thing to say to a pregnant woman, yeah? Imagine a pregnant woman comes up to you, and you're like, Good morning, my Lord, and you're talking to like a pregnant woman's belly. That's what she's doing. She's like, How blessed am I that the mother of my Lord is here? That's what she's saying. It's crazy. But if it's true, if that's who Jesus really is, if he really is the one, he's the the Harry Potter, but in real life, to save God's people, if he really is that, then she's right. That's her Lord in this woman's belly standing before her. The great Savior King who's going to save God's people. And so she's stoked, she's excited. That's who Jesus is. Two big things. What was the first thing? He's the Son of God. That means He is God Himself. He's the Son of God. He's God. And secondly, who is He? He's Lord. That's what this passage is about. But just because Jesus is a big deal, what does that mean for you guys? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for me? See, Roger Federer is a big deal, or whoever that other Russian dude is, or whatever it is, Serbian dude who won the tennis. They're big deals. Djokovic, right? He's a big deal. What do I care though? He's just some guy who's a big deal. I'm Jono, I'm not him. So what's that got to do with me, right? What does it matter to us that Jesus is all these things? Because they're pretty big things. But what does it matter to us? To make this clearer to you guys and kind of land what we're talking about, I'm going to give you a little illustration. It's a bit of a story and it's going to take a little while, but it'll be worth it, all right? So come with me on a journey. Imagine you're on an old ship, like an old sailing ship back in the day, all right? And you're working on a sailing ship. And you're working away, and it's okay, you're on a sailing ship. The captain's all right, generally things are okay. But you're kind of working away, scrubbing the deck and doing all this kind of stuff. And then one day, you and the crew get talking, and you're kind of working away on your ship, and you're talking, you're like, why do we always clean the deck for? Was it dirty all the time? We just cleaned it yesterday, and we climbed the rigging yesterday. What are we climbing all this rigging and scrubbing the deck for? I'm kind of sick of that captain always ordering me around. And just quietly, I reckon we could do a better job of running this ship than the captain does anyway. So let's mutiny this thing. Let's mutiny and and take over the ship. That'll be heaps good. And so you and your friends on this ship mutiny. And you grab the captain and you tie him up and you chuck him below deck. And you're like, yeah, we run the ship now. And you're loving it. And for a few days, things are pretty fun. You don't have to scrub the deck as much. You just scrub it when you want. Let it get a little more dirty. Do it every three days instead of every five minutes. You know, Climb the rigging less. Do whatever you want to do. You just, you're running your own ship. You're having a bit of fun. But then guess what happens? Stuff starts to go downhill. 
for starters, you're all sailors and you're always getting drunk on whiskey because apparently sailors always have whiskey and stuff, right? And you're, everyone's all drunk all the time. Last night, your mate got like shot by another sailor because they had an argument and this guy's like a psycho and he just shot him and there's like no captain to stop him and you're like, oh, that's pretty terrible. And, and you're afraid of that guy now. And things are looking pretty grim. And you haven't even been paying attention to the ship and the ship's starting to just kind of drift wherever. It's not even sailing properly anymore. You're just kind of going along with the current. And pretty quickly, you start to get pretty worried. <laughs> what have I done? I mutinied the captain and this is all falling apart. And you're like, maybe we should like, untie the captain. But you're afraid of everyone else who is still loving, getting drunk and shooting each other and stuff. And so things looking pretty dark. Now, if it isn't obvious, I'll have to spell this out for you guys. Here's what's going on in this story. Guys, that's exactly what we do with our lives individually. When we say, get stuffed, God, I'm going to do life my own way and run my life however I want. That's what we do as individuals. We say, I want to have my own life and ignore God. And that's what, when everyone in the world does that individually, that's actually what we do with the whole world. We mutiny our captain, we say we don't want him, and we pretend like he's not there anymore. And we run life our own way. But very, very quickly, all of us slowly start to figure this out. Maybe you haven't figured it out yet. You will soon. We make a mess of our lives. Because of sin, because of our rejection of God, pretty quickly things start to fall apart and we need someone back in our life calling the shots and being our captain again. That's what we do with our lives. Back to the story. Things are looking grim. The ship's drifting along. It's not looking good. But then guess what? Turns out your captain's like a ninja or something, right? Breaks free of his ropes. Takes control of the whole ship again. So he fights down all the guys. Gets rid of all their weapons. And, he, and the captain frees himself. He's in control of the ship again. And you're stoked. You're like, yes, I'm so glad the captain came back because I was afraid of that guy. And I didn't know what I was going to do either. And it was all looking bad. But now the captain is back in control of the ship. And this is what the captain says to the people on his ship. He says, I am the captain. I'm in charge. This is my ship. And you guys all deserve to be thrown overboard for what you've done because you've mutinied against me. But because I'm a good captain, I'm going to give you guys a chance. If you guys will stop being rebels and follow me again as captain, you're pardoned. I'll rescue, you're rescued from this mess. Now notice, it's not like you earn that pardon. It's not as if you do something that means that, you, that the captain goes, yeah, you're back in my good books now, I'll give you this pardon. The, the captain's saying, you don't deserve this, and I'm offering you a free pardon if you come back under me as my follower, if you follow me as your captain again. You don't earn it, you don't make him your captain so he'll have your back. He just says, here's a free pardon, Now follow me as your captain again. Guys, Jesus is the Lord. He's the king who comes and saves his people. And his people don't do anything to deserve what Jesus has done. They don't earn their salvation. Jesus is the the king who comes and he gives it to us freely. He offers us a free pardon, free salvation. But the the way that he comes is he comes as our Lord and says, I'm your Lord, here's salvation for free, come into my kingdom and be my follower. Have me as the Lord who saves you. That's what this passage is about. Jesus, 
the saviour king who saves his people and they become his followers again. And so here's the big question I want to ask you guys tonight. Here's the big question. Have you come back under the rule of the King Jesus? Have you been saved and have you come back under the rule of the King Jesus? So first of all, what are you trusting in to make yourself right with God? If your trust is in yourself and being good or praying or coming to youth group or having Christian parents or whatever, if your trust is in things that you do to earn your forgiveness from God, then you're not accepting the free gift of salvation from Jesus. So what are you trusting in? And if you are trusting in that, is Jesus your Lord as well? Or are you one of those people who wants Jesus to be their saviour, but they don't want anything to do with them as, the, as their Lord? They're like, free salvation, that sounds awesome, I'll have that. But I don't want Jesus as my king. Is that what you've been trying to do? Is that where you're at tonight? Guys, if that is where you're at, you need to realise that it's a package deal. Jesus comes as our Lord and our Saviour. But guys, I wish I had more time to talk you through this, but I don't. I talked about it in the other room. But guys, not only is he our Saviour and he's our Lord and we need to come under him and follow him, he's a good king. He's a good king, all right? It's not like it's some terrible chore to become a Christian and go, cool, I guess I, I want to be saved and I don't want to go to hell, so I better have Jesus as my Lord as well. That's not what it's like. If you look at this passage, you'll see all the people full of joy because their king has come. It's good to have Jesus as your king. It's not always easy, but it's always good to have someone who's a lot smarter than you. In fact, he's God. <laughs> to have that guy rule your life is a good thing. And so if you're not got Jesus as your king and your saviour, Guys, do that tonight. Talk to your leader and tell them where you're at. And if you're not sure, maybe you feel like you're trusting in Jesus as your saviour, but you really don't know where you're at with this whole Lord idea, talk to your leader tonight. I'm going to pray and we're going to talk about this stuff in groups. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we want to thank you so much for Jesus that you sent him to come and to save us, offer us a free gift of salvation and to be our king. Father, we're sorry that, that, we've, that we've rebelled against you, the one that we need to obey. And, and Father, I pray, that, I pray that for all of us who call Jesus our Saviour, that he would also be Lord in our lives. And Lord, I pray for people here tonight who aren't sure where they stand with these things. They aren't clear or they just don't know which way they want to go. Father, I pray that you would show them the truth of these things, and I pray that they would make the only smart decision in light of that truth. Amen.